Yo, Substackers, how you doing? It's a rare Wednesday appearance for me. You may have never even noticed that I barely ever put anything out on Wednesday, but I don't because Wednesday is normally putting on airs day for me and Trey. But Trey couldn't record today. We got to record tomorrow. And I thought, hey, uh, that gives me a good opportunity to pull out my recording can and bitch into it a little bit for my Substackers. Um, now, a little behind the scenes, I know a lot of you probably are like, okay, well, doesn't recording an episode of putting on airs only take an hour and a half? Why does that incapacitate you <laughs> from doing anything else uh, on a Wednesday? Well, I'll tell you, a little behind the scenes action. Actually, Wednesday <clears throat> is a full day when it comes to putting on airs because um, a lot of y'all don't know this. Yeah, you probably do. The only studying I've ever done in my life, like I was a horrible student. Um, and, and it wasn't because I wasn't smart, I don't guess. I mean, I was always really good at like, I would never do the homework, you know, but I always could do really good on the tests and I would just kind of make do. Like I did, I knew exactly what I had to do just to pass. That was me because I wasn't interested in school. All I wanted to do was stand up. Like I, st- <laughs> I knew that I wanted to be a stand up comedian at five years old. And so every single thing that I did in my life from then and until now was in service of that dream. Now, had it not worked out for me, that would be very, that would not be a good story to tell. But it, it luckily it did work out for me because, you know, people be like, hey, comedy might not work out. You're going to need to go to college. You're going to need to know stuff on how to function in the world. And uh, here's the deal. I don't, anybody out there listening to this that is young, don't take my success in spite of all that as sage advice on uh, saying, fuck it, I don't need to learn anything. It's, uh, I'm really lucky <laughs> because there for a while, it looked like all those people were right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's get real here. Um, I was 12 full years into my stand-up comedy, quote unquote, career before I started having any type of success. And it's been great success. But, uh, I mean, flip of a coin, my friend. But as it turns out, and I always just thought, like, oh, I just wasn't good at studying. I, I just, like, I'm not a, I can't, I'm not a book-learning person. I'm street smart. <laughs> you know what idiots say, uh, like me. But turns out, it's just that I was young and immature, and none of that stuff interested me. So when I am interested in something, I can be an insanely studious person. And so I take putting on airs very seriously. Now, as much as I get wrong on there all the time, I'm at least trying my best. And because, you know, we're busy people, we got a lot of projects going on and I've got a family, I set aside one day a week, which is Wednesday, and I cram all my information leading up to the recording of the podcast. That's watching documentaries, that's listening to, you know, audio books, that's listening, you know, whatever. I mean, I listen... I try to do, I can slip in some audiobooks throughout the week, but like I basically spend the entire day up until recording making a syllabus. And I'm the type of person, uh, and y'all know this about me by now, I, I'm not, <laughs> I, can, I can only focus on one thing at a goddamn time. I know that seems insane since I have so many different stupid projects that I do, but like when I'm working on one, I'm only working on that that day, you know? Uh, so as was a long way to say, uh, that was a four minute way of me saying, Hey, I'm talking to you on Wednesday because I don't have to do that shit till tomorrow. <laughs> so anyways, there are a couple things that I would like to rant about today, uh, saying it out loud so that hopefully, uh, I remember, uh, one is, uh, some new information I just learned about how doing your taxes work and how we've been getting swindled for a long time. And another is uh, about all the people who consistently say things like, oh, the show All All in the Family could never be made today. Those are two things I want to bitch about today. But before that, I would like to offer some hopefully sage advice uh, that I sort of picked up in my brain whilst reading uh, the book, An Empire of Their Own, How Jews Built Hollywood. Uh, by the way, that's, <laughs> that totally sounds like the title of a book that Bill O'Reilly would write, uh, in, be, you know, claiming that Jews were the antagonists of the book, but it's not that. 
it is a uh, it, it is it is a pro Jewish and Hollywood book, just basically laying out the argument for why it is that there is so much Jewish influence in media and how they were one of the first people these the what who ended up becoming the studio moguls and stuff they were like just they were just the first people that had the foresight that hey this might be a big deal and he, i'm gonna lay it out to you and here's where my uh, here's where i'm gonna land on my advice so back in the day before there were as they were called then motion pictures uh they had these little like you know vaudeville was a f- super big deal and vaudeville, I've talked about, I don't know on this substack, but vaudeville was live theater, a variety show, right? Usually very comedic in theme. This is where people like Abbott and Costello come from. Um, um, like Sid Caesar got his start. Any any of those the comedians, if you're a little bit older, the comedians you grew up loving that would go on, you know, the uh, Ed Sullivan show and stuff, so many of them had their roots in vaudeville and uh, that was the ticket and they also had these little theaters that were called nickelodeons which is where that channel got its name and nickelodeon uh, i'm pretty sure the reason it's called that is because the shit costs a nickel (laughs) you know and they would have these little uh kind of they were it's like a peep show you know you'd pay your nickel you'd go in and they were these like tiny short films obviously silent and a lot of times it would be vaudeville acts, but just recorded or whatever, but no like feature length movies. You know what I mean? This is in the early day of film. And there were several people in New York, uh, these Jewish moguls who operated these, but they started, they started thinking, you know, I think that people would really like a longer format. Like they started going, hey, there's a, Broadway show, you know, why, why wouldn't, what if we film that and show it to people, you know, and, and people were like, oh, people aren't going to sit there for an hour and a half. It's crazy, right? Because that's sort of the attitude that people have now and why like short form content is, I hate hate that word, but I got to say it. That's why short form content is being pushed by all these people like, oh, no, 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 we can't get people to pay attention for an hour. Why don't you make 15 second clips, right? Well, they were thinking that back then. These people were like, no, 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 this is great and it's new and it's something nobody has seen before. People will like it just because it's never been done. Like you have to understand that this was around the time the motion picture itself, like actual recordings of people doing things instead of just still frames was new. And I mean, I I can't even comprehend. I don't know if in my lifetime, because, you know, I've gone from I'm the generation I'm a tweener generation. I'm a millennial. And I guess uh, not a young millennial, not an old millennial in the middle. So, like, I remember a time without the internet. Of course I do. And I also didn't have a cell phone until I was 18. And that was by choice, by the way. Me and none of my friends wanted a cell phone. As crazy as that is to think for some young people today. But we didn't want a cell phone. And the reason we didn't want a cell phone was... We didn't want our parents to have a direct line of communication with us because as soon as we got a cell phone, all of a sudden they were checking in and sneaking out became harder. And, you know, lying about where you were was harder because if you had to pick up the phone and they could hear the music, you know, but like, but at the same time, like the iPhone and things like that, they changed the world and it was and, and it was clearly like, holy shit, this is like nothing we've ever seen before. But because the internet and TV already existed, I feel like it was sort of like a tub birth for us. Like it was an easy transition into this other shit to where it didn't blow our minds maybe as much. Now I'll say the Nintendo 64, when that came out and all of a sudden you could go north and south in a video game instead of just east and west, that was probably my holy shit, this picture's moving moment for how people reacted back in the tens, you know, about motion pictures. But like, this was a mind-blowing thing. And and it's crazy that like the way that it's done then is still essentially the same way we do it now. It's like, it's still pictures. The reason it was called a motion picture is because it is still just pictures. 
It's just 24 per, frames per second to make it. And that's and I don't think they had figured out that technology all the way then. And that's why when you see older movies, maybe they're going faster and everything kind of looks out of whack, which I personally fucking love. But anyways, people were having their minds blown by this shit. But when someone suggested that they go a step further and make these things longer, the vast majority of people with money who was telling these Jewish fellers like... They were going, no, dude, we can't do this. This is a, a ludicrous idea. Well, they just decided, fuck it. It's never been done. We're going to try it. And you're not going to believe this, but movies turned out to be, I'd say, a pretty massive fucking success. Even though, and by the way, these people, you want to go, man, whoever thought that wasn't going to be a good idea is an idiot, right? Well, that's the thing. The people saying it wasn't going to be a good idea they seem like idiots in hindsight because movies became a cultural phenomenon that we still enjoy to this day and still are a huge part of the zeitgeist culturally. But at the time, you have to understand who these people were. They were millionaires in the tens. They were people who had had great ideas. They were people who were very successful and no one on earth would consider an idiot until you hear this story condensed and maybe without context right? Well, where does the sage wisdom come in? What did I take from that? This is what I took from that, is that no matter, if, you're, if you want to do something and you think you got a good idea, it don't fucking matter who is telling you that it's a bad idea. It's possible that they're right, but it's just as likely that they're wrong because some of the smartest fucking people in business at the time bet against movies, right? Sometimes, sometimes people just don't see it. Sometimes you have a dream and the people around you just don't see it. But thank God for us, people like me and you that love movies, thank God somebody saw it. And thank God somebody wasn't deterred by all the negative Nancys in their life telling them that it wasn't a good idea. Because of that, we've got movies, right? And, uh... Again, that's, what I, that's the lesson I gleaned from it. It doesn't necessarily say that in the book. Maybe that's not what I'm supposed to take away from it. But that's what I gleaned from it is, hey, sometimes even smart people get shit wrong. So if you feel in your heart that something's right, fucking do it to it, baby. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's my soapboxing of the day. Now, the tax thing that I wanted to talk about. Now, I'm going to talk about this first because... Uh, I guarantee you the Archie Bunker talk is probably going to take a lot longer. But, and maybe y'all knew this. This is one of those things where, when, to me, where when you hear it, you go, of course, of course. But you're like, how the fuck did I not put two and two together on this? So, and what's funny is that I heard about this separately from, I guess, the announcement from the White House that I believe happened where Joe Biden is apparently uh, going to try to fix this and, uh, you know, and then it might be, it'll be a good thing and then no one will remember him having done it and they'll probably credit it to Trump. You know how it goes. But anyways, here's the deal. And I actually do have some mixed opinions on it and I'll share those and maybe, maybe it makes me sound like a Republican in a certain way, but apparently the government for years has been trying to make your taxes transparent to you. And, and by that, I mean, you know, don't you think it's kind of weird that we have to go to a completely separate other place to find out how much money we owe the government? Why don't the government just tell us how much money we owe them? Well, apparently they've been wanting to do that for a long time, but much like the big tobacco companies and much like the big oil companies or whatever, TurboTax and H&R Block have lobbyists in Congress that are constantly shutting this shit down because if they do that, if this passes, they will go the fuck out of business, right? Now, I don't agree with uh, corporate lobbyists of almost any kind uh, getting in the way of passing legislation. However, if I was somebody at H&R Block I mean, I get why you do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I totally fucking get why you do it. Like protect, protect your nest egg, you know? So here's the deal. 
And basically, what the people trying to pass this bill are saying is like, it shouldn't cost you no extra money just to give the government the money that you owe. And I fucking agree with that. And it's like, why the fuck does the government, Joe Joe Zimmerman used to have a great bit about it, and I'm going to butcher it, but he was like, he was like, it's so wild that when you go pay your taxes, you're like, hey, how much do I owe you? And they're just like, why don't you tell me how much you owe us? And if you guess wrong, you go to jail. It's crazy. So that, so that they, the people in power want it to be, we're like, we'll just tell you. And then you just cut us a check. Now, in theory, because again, I'm never going to be on the side of corporate lobbyists, right? But, it, but also, I find it hard to be on the side of government because it's, you know, maybe it's because I'm from the South. Uh, maybe it's just because I've had, I've had my eyes open my whole goddamn life. But I don't instinctively trust the government to do the goddamn right thing either. Now, this is going to sound, that sounds like a hell of a thing coming from someone who was pro get the vaccine, and I still am. But like, obviously, there's certain instances where I'm like, okay, it behooves the government to have us all feel better and not be dying. And yeah, they had to get this vaccine done quick because it was a fucking state of emergency. There's times when I go, look, I don't really have a choice but to trust them on this one. And I have to go, what are the, weigh out the pros and cons for them to be giving us some fake bullshit. It's more pro let our consumers live. That's what the government gives a shit about. So in that case, yeah, I went with it. But I'm not, I don't instinctively assume that the government is doing the right thing. And let me lay out my case here for why uh, getting rid of places like TurboTax and your CPA, which I guess you could still have a CPA if you wanted to, but there's going to be a lot of people that go, fuck that, I click the button, the government tells me I pay them. Here's my argument, and, and by the way, feel free to go off in the comments about how wrong and stupid I am on this, because I might be. I'm willing to admit that, because this is a brand new thing, and this is just the first shit that popped in my head, and very oftentimes, that's not the correct thing. It's just what I think right now. Here's where I'm a little... Um, uh, squeamish on the idea. It is because, number one, I like my CPA. He's a good dude, right? I don't want people to have to not have a job, but, you know, <clears throat> when Henry Ford created the car, there was plenty of uh, horse carriage makers that went out of business, but I don't think any of us would go, man, the car wasn't worth all that. Yeah, it was. Sometimes there's businesses that ought not be because we advance as a society, but I like my CPA. And here's the thing, my CPA has an incentive, he has an incentive to make me happy and thus find as many deductions as he can. He has an incentive to do that. That's what makes a CPA fucking good. The more they hook you up legally, the more they hook you up legally. Now, the government does not have that incentive to make me give them less money right? They don't at all. It's very possible that they're like, yeah, let's make this the law and then we can just charge people whatever the fuck. And then they go, hey, at least I didn't have to pay H&R Block. Do you get what I'm saying? In this one instance, I can be bipartisan a little bit and go, I actually see the pros and cons of both sides. That being said, yeah, it's weird that you get charged money to pay money to a government that's taking your goddamn money. But incentive-wise, I might still go to my tax man. You know what I'm saying? Dude, he sees shit that I don't see. And I don't know that the government is going to, because I'm a very special case in the sense that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm in the entertainment world. There's shit that a normal CPA, if I hadn't trained my CPA, he wouldn't realize is a write-off. You know what I mean? They wouldn't think microphone. They wouldn't think you know, fucking uh, ethernet cables, all this, you know, foam padding, acoustic, they wouldn't think of this shit. They'd just be like, oh, this guy's having fun. These are toys, you know? I don't know. That's my take on that. But it does not surprise me at all that the fucking tax people had corporate lobbyists just like Philip Morris. What's, what blows my mind is that I'm just now going, uh, duh. All right, on to the next thing. So, a day, never does a day go by 
where I'm not on Instagram looking at reels because that's what in the early hours of the day when me and my son are just waking up, I don't know about y'all and I hate to turn into one of those don't talk to me till I've had my coffee people, but I mean, I be a little bit that way, but it's not just coffee for me. It's my anti-depression and, and anxiety pills and stuff like I need when I get up, I got to take them motherfuckers and they need to start working in my system before I'm fully me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I have my little rituals like, yeah, a cup of coffee, a little bit of Kratom, some nicotine right now, which by the way is in the form of a, uh, a pouch because I'm trying to quit vaping because, and I'm, I'm, this is largely in part to y'all. So pat yourself on the goddamn back Substackers, people who watch Well Read, people who watch Putting On Airs, people that consume any of the media that I do. For years, and it's gotten it's gotten a lot more now that I'm a father, people have been, Corey, put the goddamn vape down. Corey, put the goddamn vape down. And I've just been, eh, whatever, it's better than cigarettes, man, which I sincerely still kind of believe. But now that I'm a dad, people are pointing out even more, and they're like, Corey, you got a kid now, you got to quit that shit. And y'all the comments finally landed with me so i'm trying so hard to quit vaping it is difficult it's insanely difficult as i'm not like <clears throat> i'm not breaking news to any of y'all yeah it turns out nicotine's really hard to get off of i did it once before i put down actual cigarettes cold turkey and hadn't had a real cigarette in six years and between and, and I didn't start, like, I, I went cold turkey off nothing. Like, I put the cigarettes down and didn't even dip, didn't even vape for, like, nine months. And then finally, we was on the road, and I got a real bad craving. And I and Trey had a vape, and I was like, well, okay, well, th this is not a real cigarette. This will be better. And then, boom, I'm on vape. So, I, I, my point is, it can be done. I know I can do it. It's gotten a little bit harder for me as I've picked up more projects. And, and again, guys. I know y'all are sitting there listening like, yeah, Corey, we're all, it's all hard for all of us. You're not a special case. Well, this ain't your Substack. Let me bitch for a second. I got a lot of projects going on and I'm a first time dad. And every time I try to quit, every time I've ever tried to quit nicotine for the first week, I was a fucking monster, right? I don't enjoy that. There would be times I'd be in the middle of being a monster and I would be lucid about it. And I'd tell Amber, I was like, I swear to God, I ain't trying to do this. I'm not fucking trying to do it. I'm not trying to yell at everybody. And it was just coming like, it, it was crazy, right? And so I've been like hesitant. I'm like, I don't want to be that fucking guy while I'm a dad. And then I'm like, this is just an excuse, dude. And, you, and your therapist told you that like your, that behavior, you can control it. You're just deciding that you can't control it because that lets you off the hook. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, this is hilarious, and I didn't even know I was going to talk about this on this rant, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to quit cold turkey. I know that for a fact. I know me. But I'm going to just start dipping, and then I'll try to quit dipping because I've had a couple buddies tell me, they're like, look, that's how I did it, and yes, then you have to quit dipping, but I find that quitting dipping is easier, and hey, even while dipping, your lungs are going to get better, you know? So I was like, all right, word. So I found this brand that I really like because, yo, I don't like putting fucking loose leaf tobacco in my mouth. That's how I dip when I was a kid because that's the only option, right? Then they came out with pouches, and I'm like, oh, finally, someone gets me. And you know where I'm from, you get called gay if you dip pouches, and I just don't understand. Dude, it's so funny how anytime you change anything down here, it's like gay, queer, pussy it's like it's just a different thing like dude people used to snort tobacco and then they started dipping it are you gay because you don't snort it like your mamma did snort that backer and then come back to me you know but anyways i found this brand that i really like because they got different flavors and i like different flavors it's called zen i'm not promoting them they do not sponsor me but i swear to god i just started dipping this shit then I turn on my fucking TV and see Chuck goddamn Schumer on there talking about how he wants to ban Zen. Now, maybe he has in, in other times, but in this particular case, he wasn't talking about banning all nicotine pouches. He was talking specifically about banning Zen, the brand that I like, all right? 
And this brings me back to like when the government and shit was lobbying against Juul. They were like lobbying specifically against Juul. It wasn't just all vapes. It was specifically against Juul. And now this is specifically against Zen. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, this, in my opinion, and again, in the comments, feel free to go off on how fucking dumb I am. But in my opinion, this is very transparent. It's like, and I could look this up, but I refuse to. I'm just going to say it here, and then y'all can look it up and tell me I was wrong. <laughs> because that's our, that's how we do round here. Uh, but it's pretty clear to me that Zen is not owned by Philip Morris or one of the big tobacco companies. And that's why they are getting so much heat from Chuck Schumer. Because he's not going, hey, because like Camel, Camel has pouches. I didn't hear him say shit about Camel pouches. Marlboro has pouches. Didn't hear him say shit about Marlboro pouches. Pouches. Just Zen. So my brain immediately goes to, yeah, Zen is outsiders, not in the club. And so Schumer, just like a bunch of, I know he's a Democrat, but they get lobbied for too, and they're in motherfuckers' pockets. Let's not act like they ain't. He's going to bat for whoever it is that's from Big Tobacco that's writing him a goddamn check. And now I can't use my fucking now preferred brand of pouches, which, yes, I can. They haven't outlawed them yet, and they probably won't. I don't fucking know. You can still get Jewel. But anyway, it just, of course, when I saw that, my selfish brain immediately went to, I can't have shit. I just, I'm trying to do the right thing here. And the very fucking second I choose a brand that I like that will hopefully help me get off vapes, this motherfucker here is trying to make them illegal. The goddamn audacity. But realistically, I know that I shouldn't do any of it. <laughs> Maybe this will be for good. All right, back to what I was going to say about Archie Bunker and all in the family. It never fails that when I... I'm sitting there going through my reels on Instagram in the morning whilst me and my boy are getting ourselves awake. I will see, I follow a lot of like old Hollywood accounts, old classic TV accounts, and anytime a classic TV clip comes up, I like it, which then puts it in my algorithm. So I'm constantly seeing things from Red Fox, you know, Sanford and Son constantly seeing stuff from happy days and lately and i'm so glad uh, i've been seeing a ton of all in the family clips right and i love that dude that was one of my favorite fucking shows as a kid uh i know a lot of people are how you old enough well nick at night nick at night folks they recorded them bitches you can still watch them today and i know because i've uh, made all in the family me and my son's daytime show we're re-watching it from start to finish and man so you know we started with the pilot i gotta tell you dude i've long said that i thought the best the best pilots i've ever seen in my life and for those of you not in the biz the pilot is the first episode <laughs> often uh made without knowing if the show was going to get picked up which is why a lot of times you watch the pilot and then the second episode won't come on until months, sometimes a year later, and maybe there's some changes to the cast. That's because when they shot the pilot, it was just a, a test for the network. So to me, the two greatest pilots I've ever seen in my life is, is 100% the pilot for Cheers, it's amazing, and the pilot for Eastbound and Down, the Kenny Power Show. Here's what has to be done Let's just go off a little bit on here's what has to be done that a lot of people don't think about to make a pilot work, all right? Pilots are very hard. And it's why I've always said, like, if you watch a pilot and you're like, mm, I don't know about that, just go to the second, just, just give the second episode a chance because pilots are so hard to do and you're having to do so many things that sometimes you can't make a great episode. And now that you've laid all that pipe, the second episode is going to tell you more what the show is or what the show could be, right? Because in the pilot, <coughs> you have to introduce every character. Not only do you have to introduce every character by name, but you have to establish how this character is, how they think, how they talk, how they react to certain things, how they fit into the group. You're also, con they're constantly having to say their name over again to remind the audience, and it makes the language in the script kind of weird, you know, because it's like, hey, why would, why would, you know, this person 
call their wife by name in front of their kids. Their kids already know. It's like, yeah, it's a pilot. They got to do it, you know? So to me, a great pilot is, is a pilot where they do all of that, but it doesn't seem like they're doing it. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel forced at all. And cheers, bro. Fucking nail it right off the bat. Now, it may be easier to do in the older type shows because a lot of those older type shows, the Norman Lear, James Brooks type shows, I mean, they're essentially shot and written as stage plays. You know, a lot of people don't think about it, but they are. Like, dude, they have one set. You know what I mean? Like, everything in Cheers happens at that bar. They never have to have an establishing shot or a transition to another place. The one time I can think of in Cheers, and I could be wrong, but like the one time I can think of in Cheers is like that. I remember a scene where Norm was like painting his house, and that, but that was like way later in the seasons when they had more of a budget and you could, you know, have a second fucking location and shit, right? And Kenny Powers in Eastbound and Down, I mean, dude, it's just the funniest goddamn episode of television possibly ever. That, fir- that first season set up by the pilot is possibly the greatest single single season of comedy ever it's fucking unreal but recently just watch the all in the family pilot again i know i've seen it before because it was always reran as a kid but like dude it's it's up there it's at least in my top three it's amazing you find out exactly who archie is you find out exactly who edith is you find out who meathead is and you also find out how every character, <coughs> how they re- interact with each other character. You understand the dynamics. You immediately know exactly what this fucking show is. But at the same time, the pilot is so funny and good that it feels lived in. And you feel like you've known these people forever, if that makes sense. Like you don't feel like you're being explained something. It's just like, here's the show. We start it, Right. And it's so funny. It's so goddamn funny. And a lot of people, when, when I'll see these clips of All in the Family or Blazing Saddles or whatever it is, and I think you know what's about to come out of my mouth next, people will indubitably say, man, you couldn't make this show today. You couldn't make this movie today. This would get canceled now. And it drives me up a fucking wall. And let me put it to you one reason why. Because that's not how I see... That's not what comes to my mind when I see All in the Family. Do you know what comes to my mind when I see All in the Family? It is, damn, I can't believe that they got away with this then. That's what comes to my mind. Not could they make this now. Because I'll argue that All in the Family seems to me, structurally, and the premise, that seems like a show that they absolutely would make today. It 100% seems like a show that Hollywood is clamoring for. And here's why I know. I've been in the fucking meetings. The Hollywood execs don't know that they're saying it, but when they're talking about wanting our point of view as like, you know, maybe liberal Southerners or whatever, the show they're kind of wanting us to make is All in the Family, where we, as the lone liberal in the family have to interact with our more conservative counterparts and try to get along. That's Meathead and fucking Archie. That's Meathead, Gloria, Archie, and Edith. That is what that fucking is. The fact that it was made back then when clearly, and it's so funny because, and this is why, this is why All in the Family is one of the most brilliant shows ever, is because the people that they're lampooning in that show And by the way, Meathead takes his brunt of jokes thrown at him, of course. But the people that they're really lampooning, Archie Bunker is not the hero of that goddamn show. He's the punching bag. He's the punchline. He's not correct, right? But the people who are like Archie Bunker think that Archie is the correct one on the show and they don't understand that he's not not the point of reference for morality, on that show. The jokes are about how could this man be this way in a progressive world. And again, every now and then, Archie slings one at Meathead and he's true. Yeah, liberals are stupid for that. 
But like, that's the brilliance of the show is that it hits for people who are on Meathead's team, but it also hits for people who are on Archie's team, even though the whole show is about how Archie is a dying breed and he should be a dying breed. Dude, if they made All in the Family today, they think, oh, it'd get canceled. I think it would get called woke. I think the first thing that would happen is all these people who act like Archie in real life, who in their head are always going, boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Those people, if they if they made a show today that was exactly like All in the Family and they had that character that 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 character arc that the Jeffersons had, they would call it fucking woke. They would 100% call it woke. <clears throat> so I say, the re- they're like, oh, they'd never put this on TV today. No, they wouldn't because they already did. They already did, and they put it on TV at a time where it was more dangerous to put that shit on TV, where it was more radical to put that shit on TV. Also, let me say to you, and please understand that when I say this, I'm not suggesting that both are of the same quality, though I do like them both. Um, The new show, Ted, on Peacock, which obviously reintroduces us to an old fan favorite character, Ted, the talking bear, voiced by Seth MacFarlane from the movies with Mark Wahlberg. Well, if you haven't seen this show, this is like the origin stories of Ted and Mark Wahlberg's character's friendship. It takes place in the 90s when Mark Wahlberg's character is in high school. And I'll be honest with you, and I love the Ted movies. I fucking love them. And I love Family Guy. I think Seth MacFarlane is absolutely brilliant. And I think people are, like, even if you don't like the guy or like any of his stuff, like, you have to go, wow, what a, what a talent that lives in our lifetime just from the sheer volume of quality work that he puts out. Again, if you're not into it, you're not into it, but they're all wildly successful. So you can't argue with that. I love all that shit. Family Guy's hilarious. Like, yeah, okay, maybe it's become predictable and they're just random ass jokes, sure, but they're fucking funny and it's still on TV scoreboard. Uh, but I like the movies, but in my brain, I was like, I'm not gonna like this show. I'm not gonna like this show because it's gonna be, like, this is what I thought in my brain. I was like, first off, at this point, Seth MacFarlane don't even have to try. He's got his built-in fans that like what he does, and it's just gonna be like a Family Guy rip-off type shit. Or, or I was like, you know what it's gonna be? Because this is something that's really popular now is like, it's because the pendulum swings. It's like, shows like All in the Family, because again, in my opinion, would be considered a woke show today. Well, there's also this pushback on, we want to grab the audience that thinks everything is too woke now. We want to give those people a show. And so this might be Seth MacFarlane doing a thing where all he's trying to do is make insanely offensive jokes just to make offensive jokes. But because there's a huge difference, by the way. There's plenty of offensive jokes that it's like, I'm glad those were told because that was appropriate for the situation. I love offensive jokes. What I don't like is edginess just for the sake of being edgy. You know what I mean? You should go for the laugh first. And I love when people make people laugh or I try to make people laugh at something that was a little uncomfortable or something we dare not make fun of. That's awesome. But just just going out there with the intent of, I'm not here to make people laugh, I'm here to make people all. That's fucking stupid. And I, I'll be honest, and I'd like to apologize to Seth, Seth MacFarlane, I thought that's what this was gonna be. The show's fucking great. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's joke heavy as shit. It's not quite as joke heavy as 30 Rock, which is another show that people have like recently been like this would never fly today and it's like bro that show was liberal as fuck when it came out jack donaghy is not the hero of the show just because you like him anyways i'll put to you this that the show ted has a lot in common with all in the family if you've not seen ted i'll explain if you have seen ted i bet you know what i'm talking about all right So in the show, Ted, you've got Ted, Maddie, and you've got their parents. They're all living in the 90s, and their Maddie's cousin, the dad's niece, uh, her parents are going through some issues, and she's living with them, all right? So immediately, you've got someone who is not in the immediate family, but immediate family adjacent, moving into the house, just like Meathead, right? 
also just like Meathead, this girl in the show, the cousin, is a liberal and can be sort of a pompous liberal at that, right? Well, Ted and Maddie's dad, the uncle, is a raging Archie Bunker. He's fucking, he's racist. He thinks he's not. He's behind the times. He's pining for a day that we will never go back to and saying a lot of things out loud that he thinks is just the truth, but people don't want to hear it. Exactly like Archie Bunker. And the mom just sits there and takes it because she just wants everyone to get along. The Edith archetype, right? The Edith archetype. The dad makes racist jokes, right? And you'd go, well, okay, isn't that what you said you thought would happen? They'd just be offensive to be for the sake of offensive? No, because the girl and Ted and all them are there to call the dad out on it, being our point of reference character to go, hey, the writers here are showing you this is how these people talk, but we don't condone it. This isn't our opinion. This is their opinion. And we're pointing out the absurdity of it and the juxtaposition between this guy and the liberal cousin is where the comedy comes from. We're explaining to you that this is how they speak, but we don't agree with their opinion. Just like Jack Donaghy on 30 Rock, just like fucking Archie Bunker on All in the Family. So I will posit to you all that say you could not put All in the Family on television right now. They're doing it all the fucking time. That dynamic is still a formula in comedy that works. Here's the difference. All of you who grew up on All in the Family, you're different people now. That shit didn't bother you back then because you were happy and you were young. Well, now you're a little bit older and you're a little bit more resentful and the world is passing you by and it scares the shit out of you. And now that same formula and that same style of joke, you are now the Archie Bunker and you don't like being laughed at. Obviously, I'm not talking to you substackers. I'm just saying the same formula is still being used but back in the day, you were meathead and you liked it, but now you're Archie and you don't. And it's fine to not like these type of shows. It's totally fine. But it's not fine to act like this is the first fucking time in entertainment that liberal point of views were expressed through writing. That's insane. When I was a kid, it was common for people to talk about, you, you call Hollywood, Hollyweird. And the reason they did that is because that's where all the liberals live. They were doing that shit then. Dude, RoboCop would be considered woke nowadays. They would be considered woke because it is an admonishment of police and big corporations getting together to control the world. RoboCop was fucking woke, right? It's just that when you saw it, you didn't know what that word meant, so you didn't know to be upset. Right? Am I making any goddamn sense to anybody out there? If not, whatever. I could be wrong. But, dude, we live in a world where there's not just 3, 9, and 12 anymore. Those are the channels. Uh, I've been told, I, I made that reference one time on Well Read, and Trey was like, What do you mean 3, 9, and 12? I was like, You know, the channels, the three channels when we had as kid. And apparently he, theirs were 2, 8, and 11 or whatever. So 3, 9, and 12 to me, was three was NBC, nine was ABC, and 12 was CBS. But we have more now. I promise you, whatever your fucking beliefs are, that show is out there for you. It's out there. You might just have to search for it, you know? But just like I have to search for the country music that is good. People go, oh, there's no good country music anymore. It's like, because you're just listening to the radio, right? You can find it. Go out there. Go out there and, and listen. Have Elizabeth Cook tell you. Get Sirius XM. Go to Outlaw Country. Have Elizabeth Cook tell you who the good ones are. And I promise she's right. You know, and TV's the same. All they don't make, all every fucking show is woke. Well, quit just watching CBS and all that shit. Ben Shapiro's got a whole goddamn network for you. Now, granted, it all sucks because it turns out that all those Hollywood people that were liberal also still had talent weird how that works sometimes it's weird how 
people with compassion and empathy and open-mindedness somehow make the best entertainment and art. I don't fucking know. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that bizarre? Ah, well, that's what I wanted to rant about today. <laughs> and we didn't have putting on air, so uh, you're either welcome or I'm very sorry. But, uh, whew, screaming for 45 minutes. I don't know if that's good for my blood pressure. Speaking of my blood pressure, y'all are not going to be shocked to hear this, but my cholesterol is through the roof. So I'm going to need y'all's prayers and encouragement. Because <laughs> it turns out everything I like, whew, she wee. Lord, there's a lot of cholesterol in it. I guess like I, I take some comfort in like, well, I also eat oatmeal every morning, which is heart healthy. And I go on walks every day, which is heart healthy. So maybe, maybe I'll cancel it out. I don't fucking know, but my dad had two heart attacks. He survived both of them, so, you know, pretty good batting average, but I'd prefer to not have one. That would be, that's where I'm at, is the whole, let's just not have one, and then we won't have to survive one. Uh, That's where I'm at, especially now that I have a kid. And Jesus Christ, does having a kid change everything? Y'all been telling me for years, y'all told me the whole time, Amber was pregnant, and I believed you. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. Fucking, I know. I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no fi- I thought I knew, but you can't know until you feel it. And so uh, I would like to once again say thank you for all the uh, Corey put the vape down comments. Sometimes that shit don't work on people. You know, it's like people are like, oh, don't fat shame. I agree that you shouldn't, as a standard practice, fat shame, you shouldn't. Uh, but it does work sometimes to shame people. <laughs> me, at least, like my personality type. If you shame me, I'll at least think about the thing that you're shaming me for and be like, well, I would like to not feel this shame again. You know, and it's so far it's worked on the vaping. <clears throat> I will say, though, I get the counter argument to don't body shame when it comes to fat because what is weird, it's just like how, um, how used to, you know, whenever I'd see... This is back when I smoked real cigarettes. Whenever I would see a one of those advertisements, I think they were called the, the Truth or something, about how you shouldn't smoke cigarettes, and they would show like a lung and a vacuum cleaner or some shit, I would always get up and go smoke a cigarette. It always made me want a cigarette. Then, by the way, going back to government conspiracies and shit, I found out later that the tobacco companies were the ones paying for those, because they had to, because they were like, well, PR-wise, we've got to be doing this. But, like, dog, you know that they was putting subliminal shit in there. They're like, yeah, we'll make a commercial about how you shouldn't smoke. We'll put this subliminal. There's something subliminal in there going on because it'll still make motherfuckers want to smoke. We can show them the dirtiest, nastiest, fucking charcoal, brick-ass lung ever, and they'll still want a cigarette. And God damn it, I did. And the same thing happens sometimes with fat shaming. When I'll post a video or something... And somebody's like, have you gotten fatter? Or look at this fat fucking tub of lard. Look at this guy. Looks like he takes a shower in bacon grease. Look at this fucking guy. Eats corn cobs the long way. Look at this. Look at this vanilla pudding looking motherfucker. This dude's got a got a above ground pool filled with ranch dressing that he jumps in every night. Put a diaper on this motherfucker. He looks like the New Year's baby had diabetes. You know, whatever people would say. They wouldn't say none of that because those are all clever. It's usually just like, you're a fat piece of shit, lard ass. Uh, I hope you die soon. Oh, you're definitely going to die soon. Uh, Your arteries are harder than my dick when I watch Rush Limbaugh. You know, whatever. Again, I'm making all these up. But what's weird is those would make me feel and do make me feel bad about myself. And you know what I do to comfort myself whenever I feel bad? Oh, I want to eat a cake. I want to eat a cake. And you go... Well, goddamn, if they think I'm fat anyways, what? who gives a shit? And what's funny is, like, I've gotten so many you're fat comments after I lost 50 pounds. And it did start to make me go, what's the fucking point even? Because, like, a year ago, you know, before I had the kid, like, I was in the best physical shape of my life. I looked great. I had fucking abs, only two of them, and they were on the top. And, you know, I had to really fucking grunt to get them out. But I was doing great, but unfortunately, I have a chubby face, and there's apparently nothing I can do about that, so I'd still get to look at this fat fuck comments, even though I know I was in better shape than that son of a bitch and could take them out behind the woodshed and and fucking paint their ass red, 
But they, so then I'm just like, damn, what is the fucking point? I'm in great shape and I'm still getting called fat because I got fucking gopher cheeks. I guess I'm going to go have a goddamn cake, you know? So, uh, yeah, maybe body shaming <laughs> don't work, you know? Uh, yeah, don't do that, y'all. <laughs> don't do that at all. Well, I hope y'all having a wonderful Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed Pastor Petey's motivational uh, sermon on Monday. We do apologize for the technical difficulties that made Pastor Petey a day late and a dollar short, but we are committed here at BonusCorey.com to still providing you with the content, no matter the uh, mishaps and hullabaloos as they may happen. Now I'm saying, I'm happy that y'all are here. I'm happy to be here. I'm in a great mood, y'all, and y'all have a lot to do with that. Can I tell you that? You really do. I'm, uh, I'm four weeks sober today. It's not something I've been like uh, wanting to project to the world because every if I ever do, people are like, oh, you Corey's in recovery. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to do better with my life. Um, but I'm four weeks sober today. And, uh, in, you know, when I'm... Uh, when I'm feeling creatively inspired and uh, know that I have a platform with which to put out that creativity, a.k.a. this and y'all, it really uh, keeps the demons at bay and makes me not even consider the devil juice. You know what I mean? I don't reach for that when I've been having a bad day. I'm just like, you know what, man? Just uh, take a breath, have some water. And the next thing you know, I'm in a good mood. And I'm like, I'm going to make something for fucking Substack. Woo! Ain't this great? So I feel good. Uh, and, you know, as I've talked about a minute, God damn, this episode right here is all over the place. I don't even know how long I've been talking. Um, I, you know, I've said this a million, million times before, and it's been said to me, like, and I always respond with, like, yeah, I fucking know. Well, people are like, Corey, you drink and that's not good for people with depression. And I'm like, I know. And that's my problem with alcohol. I'm not addicted to alcohol. I just like drinking it. And when I do drink it, it makes my depression worse. And it's fucking, God damn it, it's unfair as shit. But it is the truth. And the truth ain't always fair. So like, I've had a real, uh, I've had a much better time mentally over these past four weeks, even though I've had a lot on my plate, but I've been able to handle it because I wasn't hung over and I was getting dopamine in more appropriate ways. So anybody out there listening to this, this was not supposed to be a mental health rant, and it's not. But while I'm closing up here, I would like to remind y'all once again um, that you got to take care of yourself first and foremost. Um, you know, getting outside help is great, and it sucks that some people can't afford it. It blows. Um, but there are things you can do for yourself and limiting alcohol when you're depressed is 100% one of them things. Uh, you are what you eat, as they say. And if you're putting in trash, you're going to get out trash. And I've had to find that out the hard way about a bazillion times. Um, and any help you can afford if you're struggling, uh, please, please do it to it. And if you're somebody out there on Substack that's like, I'm desperate, I need, I need help, but I can't afford mental health help you know reach out here in the group and and we'll see as a community uh what we can do for you you know i don't know uh that's weird to say i'm not trying to put i'm not trying to put any of y'all in the position of hey it's on us to help these i'm just saying like we are friends and stuff here and uh i'm sure that there's i know i'd be willing to chip in you know i've done it before uh, I've depleted bank accounts doing it. <laughs> and so I can't help everybody, but as a group, we could probably help, you know. Or at least just know that you can reach out to me and people in here, and there's people that fucking listen to you. I know that, every, like, some people are like, well, my family sucks, and I don't have many friends because they all suck. I lost them all after the election. Uh, there's people out there, man. There's people out there in this group that if all you need to do is talk... You know, sometimes people just fucking need to talk, dude. I It's wild how many times I've been stressed as a motherfucker on the verge 
of jumping off a goddamn bridge. I just picked up the phone and called my mama and I didn't even realize I was reaching out for help. But I talked to my mama for like an hour on the phone and just saying all that shit out loud, I was like, oh, it don't even matter anymore. I just need to get this shit off my chest. I just need someone to listen to me. And my mama will. And, you know, I know that all, all y'all don't have your mama. And that sucks. But, you know, I think, I think that, that we, I think that we all have at least one fucking person in our lives who's willing to listen. We just don't think about it or we just don't know that, that they're that person. You'd be surprised how many people actually love you and want you to, to do well and hate seeing your heart broken and hate seeing you hurt, you know? Um, so, fuck me. <clears throat> it's important, though, man. I went, I spent 34 years, I guess, not treating myself good. My self-talk was bad. It can still be bad from time to time, let's face it. And uh, not thinking that, and still not thinking that I needed any outside help because I was raised a man in the South, and that just ain't what we do. You know, you suck it up, boy. It's what you do. Now, there is some things you do need to suck the fuck up. There's a, every day I'm like, eh, Corey, you know, this, this specific thing, perhaps suck it up. But, dude, when your brain is playing tricks on you, as depression and anxiety are, a massive tricks perpetrated by the brain which is insane because your brain is also the part of you that's like, I don't want to have depression and anxiety. And then the other part of your brain's like, but you're gonna, motherfucker, I don't give a shit. (laughs) It's playing tricks on you, and sometimes you need outside help. But uh, (laughs) not drinking as much booze does a lot for you. Let me tell you, as someone who's been without it for four weeks, and who was not Belushi-style drinking before that, but we had some uh, big shows, and we blew it out. And, uh, whew, bad place. Anyways, let's quit being depressing. I'm so glad that y'all are here. Uh, thank you for subscribing here at BonusCorey.com. Whether or not you pay the $5 a month or not doesn't matter to me. Obviously, it hits for me when you do, <clears throat> because... It allows me the creative freedom to be making more things and have the time to make more things, which, by the way, want to let y'all know and have y'all, uh, y'all have a chance to maybe give some input to it. I am starting to outline um, a new Chickalooky uh, audio dramedy, and I, I, I know the tone, kind of, you know, like I... I sort of want it to be a crime thing. I, you know, murder mystery, who knows? Um, I, but I, I sort of want it to have that feel to it, like sort of like Colonel Cornbread in the case of the Confederate Ruby, but maybe not exactly that. Definitely not set in that same time period. Um, perhaps I think it might be fun to do something that is uh, in, set in current time. So we can play with a little technology, you know. Uh, but if anybody out there is like, hey, whenever I heard Colonel Cornbread in the case of the Confederate Ruby, or whenever I heard uh, uh, Chickalookie Christmas uh, Carol, or way back to when I did Earth 2049, which uh, that's way back in the Substack archives. That's the very first audio thing I tried to do, and I just wasn't talented enough to figure it out. And I'm barely talented enough now, but I at least halfway know what I'm doing. If you were listening to any of those and you thought, oh, this is cool, I like this, but I would really like to hear Corey do insert something here, let me know. Uh, and uh, if that jives with me, it'd be like, yes, yeah, fucking great idea. I just always want to do shit that hits for y'all. It's obviously got to pass the hit for me test as well, but uh, I like to give the people what they want, and y'all are my favorite people of all time and thank y'all for uh being here and remember you can get your <laughs> chickalooky merchandise at coreyshirts.com there's also some gerrymander merch on there uh my good friend and business partner uh aria just designed the gerrymander not on my watch watch and it's available at coreyshirts.com for a limited time 
and I appreciate y'all supporting this channel and the program however you do thanks for listening to putting on airs well read all that stuff and uh i love y'all and y'all be good to each other and hug your mama and grandmama if they're still around love you see ya bye skew